Hey everybody, this is John Odermatt, the host of Felony Friday, coming at you real quick to tell you about a brand new podcast. I want to ask you first, do you have a disdain for authority? I mean, do you really hate authority down deep in your bones? I mean, I'm talking about arbitrary authority. I'm talking about the government, not your dentist. I mean, if you have disdain for your dentist, that's between you and your dentist. So I can't help you there. But if you hate arbitrary authority, then you'll love a brand new podcast called Conversations About Freedom. It's hosted by a friend of this show right here, a friend of Lions of Liberty, a warrior for freedom, Moral Bob. Conversations About Freedom breaks through the noise and government propaganda to clearly convey the power of freedom. On Conversations About Freedom, Moral Bob uses fact, logic, and morality as his guiding principles to paint a picture as to what a truly voluntary society could look like. You can find Conversations About Freedom everywhere podcasts are found. And if you can't find it today, right now, rest easy. It will be available on your podcast app soon. It's a brand new podcast, so it takes time. Just be patient. Conversations about freedom. Check it out. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. So guys, if you enjoy this show, if you enjoy all three of our shows that we offer here every single week, they start each week with Mark Clare's Monday show, Brian McWilliams' Wednesday show called Electric Liberty Land, and of course, today's show, Felony Friday focusing on the criminal justice system. If you enjoy it, if you love them, please subscribe. Just grab that magical device out of your pocket where the podcasts come to automatically and you listen to them. Some people call it a cell phone. And go to the app you're listening to this very podcast on. Pound that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And if you really you know, enjoy what you're listening to, if you like what we're doing here, Take a minute and uh, just give us a five-star review. Leave us a uh, little comment there, especially if you're listening on the iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it, because it does help with the the algorithm. It gets us in front of more eyeballs and ears when uh, you know when people search for libertarian podcasts on uh, Apple Mu- on uh, Apple Podcasts. I have a little bit of a different show lined up for you today. Last week. I traveled across the state of Pennsylvania from my home in Pittsburgh to Philadelphia to attend the Libertarian uh, Pennsylvania Convention in, uh, in Philadelphia, PA. And it was, it was awesome. I had a great time, met a lot of awesome people, and I spent some time sitting down with several uh, Libertarian presidential candidates to talk specifically about criminal justice reform. And there were like 16 or 17 presidential candidates there in attendance, Way too many to talk to just with the schedule and everything going on. I ended up talking to several of them, and I got three to play for you guys today. Um, We're going to hear from the very famous Vermin Supreme. Had a great sit down with him. I mean, he's an entertaining guy. He's a comedian, charismatic guy. A lot of people see that side of him. But he, I mean, in this interview, I love it because you get to hear a more serious, a more measured side from uh, Vermin Supreme, which most people 
have no idea exists. So excited for you guys to hear that. Also talk to Sam Robb. Sam is a very intelligent guy, very articulate guy. He's from um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's a libertarian, local libertarian from my area, and he's running for president. And I was excited to get to sit down with him I get to get his take on a lot of these very important criminal justice issues. And I also got to sit down with Kenny Blevins. Kenny is a really interesting guy. Made the trip from Oklahoma all the way to Philadelphia to uh, bring his message of liberty. This is a guy who, a blue-collar guy, didn't see anybody who was stepping up to really meet his uh, ideal for what a presidential candidate should be. So he decided to put his hat in the ring, and uh, he's got some great ideas, and I got to speak with him too. Like I said, guys, this is a different format. These uh, are going to be stacked one after the other. Vermin, Sam, and Kenny, I hope you enjoyed today's show. On this particular subject, because it's so, it's just gotten dried, burned out of the fucking prisons, fucking let the people go. But we'll, yeah. And that, that is right there, Vermin Supreme. Self introduction right there. Burn it all down. Burn it all down, man. Burn the prisons down. Let the people go. You know, I know that a lot of people have concerns. What are we going to do with bad people? I'm not sure. We'll figure it out. If we have to take them out, that's what. <laughs> in a, in a non nap violating way, of course, uh, using some sort of private army and uh, some sort of, uh, you know, a justification along the lines of uh, or the self defense, perhaps. And, um, yeah. Anyway, hi, I'm Vermin Supreme. I, I'm, we seem to have started, and I didn't even notice that. So, uh, Th- Those right. are the best kinds of podcasts, when you're just... Wait, did we start? Are we, are we, is this happening right Yes, now? no, yeah, we, we were just so, talking. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, yes, I'm Vermin Supreme. Yes, I'm running for president. Yes, I'm seeking the Libertarian Party nomination in a much more serious fashion than I have ever uh, done any such thing before. And as such, it seems that um, I am often or more often asked uh, my serious positions on serious policy issues. And of course, this comes with the caveat that I am not a wonk. Um, I am not a pundit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I do know how I feel on, on certain things. And uh, I do know what the, the platform states on such things. And uh, I do believe I, I know how things uh, make me feel. And I, I think we have to keep in mind that everybody has an opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of this divisiveness in this country is uh, uh, people think their opinions are, are so important and they may even be totally misinformed opinions, but they hold on to them so dearly that they are willing to argue and fight and lose friends and, and uh, cause a lot of dissension. Yeah. <clears throat> Everyone's entitled to an opinion, but doesn't mean that... Yeah. need to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't mean you should be so attached to it and that it should identify your worldview to the point where you're threatened uh, by those with different opinions. Right. Unless they're fucking Nazis. <laughs> the Nazis right out the helicopter. <laughs> so so you're not wearing the boot on the head today, but you, I know you have the boot with you. You're wearing, what's, what's the hat? Can you describe the hat you're wearing? Uh, well, right now I'm wearing a paper uh, hat from the Waffle House. Uh, I thought it stood for White House. It, well, I'm going to turn the White House into a Waffle House. That's that's very true. And, of course, it's a nod to the Waffle House caucus. It's a growing caucus within the Libertarian Party itself. And uh, it does seem to uh, be one of those caucuses that uh, spans the political spectrum, uh, much like my supporters. Uh, we have folks on the left and folks on the right. And it's just more of a, a respectful place to discuss the issues. And I don't know if uh, it will ever evolve into something that is like we were all an all-powerful caucus because I don't know what that means, um, 
But yeah, so it's, it's a nod to the Waffle House Caucus, and of course I don't have the boot uh, because uh, it's controversial. The boot has become extremely controversial, um, of course, and since I'm trying to run a serious campaign, I'm trying to placate some of the, the naysayers and the people who have a real fear of the boot. It seems to be a real boot phobia, uh, if you will, a, a vermin derangement syndrome, if you will. And, um, you know, so I want to be respectful because uh, what I'm offering is, is serious, uh, or as serious as anything I've ever offered, at least. And uh, it, yes, it, uh, and ideally it will allow me the flexibility to ultimately wear the boot during the general, or at least uh, have the flexibility to put it on and take it off. Um, I Yes, I am compromising my principles so that you don't have to. Thank you. I'm Vermin Supreme. <laughs> so speaking of the general, say you do get the, the nomination, what are some things that, uh, <clears throat> that you could do to draw attention specifically to the need for criminal justice reform? Well, I mean, criminal justice reform is just a, I don't want to say it's a small part, but it's, mm-hmm. it's part of this horrible, connected grouping of things that we got going on. I mean, the mass incarceration, the police state itself, the never-ending creation of laws and uh, behavior-altering things that the, that the state is trying to do to uh, trap you up in, into being a, another prisoner. I mean, the, the whole thing is obviously rigged. It's obviously a scam. The probation, the, the parole, the, the bail system, the, the jail system. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I have to say that ultimately, in my heart, I, I am a, a prison abolitionist. I, I believe strongly in my heart that there are are just too many police with given too much authority over people and that there are too many laws uh, on the books uh, that uh, criminalize uh, victimless crimes, crimes in which nobody is the victim or, or the state is, is the victim and, and the state is not a person. The state is an entity, it's a concept and it's a concept that exists to exert control over you as a citizen, as a individual, as a as a free person. Um, so yeah, I mean the, these are the things. Uh, yeah, we need to. I mean, mass incarceration needs to be ended. Um, the police state needs needs to be ended. Now, once again, I, I don't know how to exactly achieve these goals. Um, I've certainly addressed these issues uh, over the years uh, satirically. Uh, with the mandatory toothbrushing law um, that came to me uh, around uh, 1979, I think, or so, when uh, the state of Massachusetts put forth uh, seatbelt laws. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it occurred to me, uh, well, yes, I suppose seatbelt use is a very good idea. Yes, the state certainly has an interest in not paying for brain injuries and people flying through windshields and the like, but did it really need to be a law? And does it need to be a law? And of course, it has become a law. Now it's a law that has, uh, you know... It's given, almost, almost unquestioned now. Yeah, I mean, and it, everyone's, oh, and yeah, it, it just gives the police a, a pretext to pull you over if they think that you're not wearing one, and it gives them a pretext to continue the, the police encounter and search you and maybe find your piddly-ass little amount of drugs or whatever and seize your car and throw you in jail. You know, as, as much as I dislike Mike Bloomberg and I'm glad he's out of the race. It would have been something to see you running against Mike Bloomberg in a general election. This guy who's the ultimate 
in this, you know, little um, trying to form these laws to change behavior. You can't drink big gulps, you know, uh, having his, uh, was that, I guess that was under Bloomberg where uh, the uh, gentleman was killed by police officers on the street for selling loose cigarettes. Yeah, Eric, Garner. Uh, Eric Garner. Yeah. So, unfortunately, you can't go head to head with Bloomberg, but, uh, or fortunately, I don't know. It's probably good that he's out. But what types of things could you do? Because, I mean, Trump, what's your feeling on Trump, what he's done for criminal justice reform? Do you think he's, I mean, do you have a positive view of it? Or? Well, he has pardoned a few people. More than Obama did in his first four years, but yeah, he did. He did let a few of his cronies go and a war criminal or two. So um, I'm not sure how that really affects the criminal justice uh, reform. Are you referring to anything in, in, uh, specifically that he's put out? Well, it, it, you're probably right. Probably most of what he's doing is politically motivated because he has he has uh, you know helped with clemency or signed pardons for. You know, a lot of these uh, in the first step back also has sort of facilitated a lot of these things. But some of the recent ones, there was the pardon. He did pardon some of his his friends or, you know, people he's friendly with, like Blagojevich and um, that guy who owns, I forget, some sports team on the, the 49ers. But at the same time, he pardoned, um, you know, like three African-American women who are friends with Alice Johnson, who's you know the famous grandmother who was pardoned for. You know, a first offense, a conspiracy charge, and she spent yes, a yeah. decade in prison. Who was advocating? Wasn't somebody advocating for that celebrity? Kim Kardashian. Kim yeah. Kardashian. So pe- people, people laugh at me, but Kim Kardashian has turned into one of the most influential people in our country in regards to criminal justice reform, which is yeah. Which I, I guess there's a there's a point there. I mean, I guess if you get a certain level of celebrity and uh, comes with it a certain amount of power, ultimately responsibility, I suppose. And I think yeah. that's uh, when you become famous like that uh, and you you're essentially representing a, a lot of people in a, in a weird way or i mean if you're not representing their their hopes and dreams but if you can pull it together and and really uh do social advocacy work uh you know that, that's a much better use of celebrity than a lot of things sorry um so yeah i mean uh, those are just fucking drips in the in the barrel and that's just trump doing favors for people i don't think it had it has any real bearing on the criminal justice reform movement and, and if nothing else i mean i can see trump uh, as the petty tyrant that he seems to want to be or or acting as uh, i mean i can easily see him coming up with some really stupid laws uh to put on the books and criminalize uh well like raising the age of buying cigarettes 21 now okay yeah oh there you go he's just created a whole new uh demographic of, of criminals of lawbreakers just like that magically and um, prohibition doesn't work. I think that's very clear. I think Portugal shows the way towards uh, drug decriminalization, legalization. Um, you know, there's just so many ridiculous uh, things wrong with the criminal justice system. And I think it all stems from this authoritarian system under under which we operate. I, I think, we're, you know, I, 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 I've made no secret that, that I'm an anarchist. And that, therefore, I am in opposition to the state. And uh, it was very interesting. We were just in New Hope, Pennsylvania uh, yesterday, and they had this plaque. And it was like in 17-something, um, this, this area, you know, because it was where these rivers crossed, so it, it, it attracted this little town. And it was a, a plaque in front of town hall, and it said, you know, the town became so big uh, that we needed a town hall. And we needed to create a municipality to, to organize it. And 
and and and shortly thereafter in the same plague and this house and this we this uh, building also housed the police and the jail and so you know at what point did this little town this little village decide that they needed to create a system to govern over itself and that inevitably led to the need for police and jails it was sort of like this mm. eye-opening and stunning and just ironic timeline that was presented to us it's sort of like a case study yes yeah i mean they created a, a municipality and so they came up with some rules and so then people were some people were violating the rules so they needed to enforce the rules so then they had to bring in uh, the enforcers and create a system to do something with the lawbreakers and um you know i mean there are certainly horrible crimes uh, and people who have horrible behavior but i think that we can ideally you know and once again i'm a libertarian i'm an anarchist i'm a utopist I, you know i believe that we're working towards this magical post-state society where everybody does respect one another and, and mm -hmm. there's no need for police because we're not committing crimes because we're operating out of love and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that not realistic at all i understand that um but i do believe in the, in the concept of uh, restorative justice um alternative sentencing um giving people more concrete uh, opportunities and options to uh, make it right uh, with the people that they've victimized um and i believe that the uh, libertarian platform uh, actually uh, uh talks in those terms uh, about uh, making it uh, right for for the person who's been victimized and um you know i, I guess that's where i stand i obviously i'm a candidate and uh, you know doing the shtick and making the jokes is always a lot of fun but it seems uh, in my new role i am called upon to be uh, have a little more serious just a, uh, just a little bit a little more serious we, analysis we don't want too about much things uh, but i have to you know bring it back down and, and of course yes yeah, so over i mean you have a certain level of respect and you know people look up to you and they want to hear what you have to say about these things but it comes back down to you know these are my opinions they're my feelings uh, they don't have to be yours and even if we disagree on them we don't have to hate each other for it yeah. Um, but yeah burn down the prisons man let so, the people go so along the lines this last question along the lines of being serious this would be a serious a serious question here um, and it's controversial maybe the most controversial question that, that I ask and it's come up lately in the uh, libertarian uh, presidential debate circles or on Facebook or wherever but uh, one candidate has brought up another candidate's stance on age of consent laws um, where do you fall, or what would you say about age of consent laws? I, I would say it's a, it's troll bait. It's a troll baiting issue, essentially. And I think what, uh, because the Libertarian Party platform clearly does have a plank that, uh, you know, children have rights, mm -hmm. and they have a, a right to make decisions that affect their own life. But, and uh, yeah, sure, you can... Uh, you can take anything and, and bring it to its uh, absurd conclusion. And, of course, that's what I've done as a political satirist. Uh, but I think what ultimately it does, we, the Libertarian Party platform states that, you know, we respect the right of uh, parents to raise their children as they see fit, and it respects the right of children to be free from neglect and abuse. Um, can consent be given for some things and not other things? Can a child is i mean do we say oh yeah there should be no age of consent laws for cigarette smoking for example mm -hmm. um ultimately yes if we're trying to decriminalize uh criminal behavior sure should we sell heroin to five-year-olds um you know i mean there's these 
there's these ridiculous, absurd conclusions that people make. And I believe that most people involved on the party are very reasonable people and they have extreme distaste uh, for uh, predators and people who uh, exhibit predatory behaviors, especially towards children. Um, yes, we need to protect children from predatory behavior. Uh, we need to, um, I don't know, crim- you know, pedophiles, are we going to kill them all? I don't know. How's that going to look in a post-state society? Are we going to banish them all? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you covered under self-defense if you find some pedophile messing with your kids? Um, I would think so. Uh, so I think the, the you know, when people talk about age of consent laws, uh, I, I wish it was put in another way that didn't have this immediate connotation uh, that we were somehow... Uh, accepting of physical abuse of children or sexual abuse of children or uh, predatory behavior towards children because that is absolutely incorrect. Uh, I believe that when it is brought up by that one uh, candidate who I will not name, um, you know, I th- he seems to say that his concern is uh, against the, you know, the age differential. You know, I think the, the most immediate concern is, yes, uh, a 17-year-old is dating a 16-year-old, and the, yes, they do have sex because that's what kids do. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or a, a 15-year-old sends a, a, you know, a, a booby pick to, uh, to their slightly older boyfriend or something, and it, it becomes a, a huge criminal case. Um, and the person is branded as a, 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 you know, a, a sex uh, violator and has to register as a sex offender and all of those things. I believe those are the concerns that are real. Mm-hmm. Those are the concerns that are legitimate. And this idea that we somehow encourage or endorse predatory mm-hmm. pedophilia uh, couldn't be more wrong. Now, once again, I mean, do we respect the, the, the rights of individuals to make up their minds? Yes. Uh, do kids, I mean, they, they say that the studies show, you know, human brains aren't even fully developed to, to full capacity until, you know, 25 or so. Yeah, for boys especially. It might yeah. be 30. But. And that's why, you know, kids engage in, in risky behavior mm-hmm. and kids do stupid stuff. And... Uh, you know, I mean, and once again, we have a lot of kids, thousands, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of kids in the system uh, for, you know, minor mistakes, shoplifting, possession of, of simple uh, drugs or, or something like that. And that is truly a travesty and atrocious mm-hmm. um, that people, that kids who have behavioral problems are, you know, because the schools can't handle them or something, you know, becomes part of the criminal system. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the, the reason I wanted to ask that question is because I think it is, I think it's something that candidates deserve, you know, the, the ability to, to, to elaborate on it, you know, rather than if you're up on a debate stage, you get asked the question, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's important to give everyone a chance to talk about it a little bit absolutely. more. Absolutely. I mean, that gentleman, I mean, uh, he, that Gentleman, uh, we're referring to, uh, you know, at, at one point in the, a Michigan debate, he quipped something to the effect, of, "Oh, we can, you know, uh, stop uh, ch- sexual childhood sexual abuse." He was implying by not having parents drive their children to their fucking seventy-year-old boyfriends. And it's like, dude, that is so freaking clueless. I mean, I had to call him on that. You know, that 
that is not right. That's not the way things work. I mean, you know, se- sexual abuse happens in, in families, family, friends, and all that stuff. And parents, that, you know, that you try and protect your kids, but you can't always. And he seemed to be implying that uh, it was the parents' fault if uh, some untrustworthy family friend or stranger or babysitter or whatever. Um, so I, I, I yes, that, that I find extreme. That's extremely distasteful take on things, and I also find it extremely distasteful that uh, that that has become his signature issue, and that the Libertarian Party has to be saddled and burdened with uh, with that bullshit. Um, because that's not what we're about. Well, I don't want to end on a down note, but uh, maybe you can, you know, use some of your your love and your uh, your comedic appeal to uh, to share, to share with the audience where, where they could where they can find more about your campaign and uh, how they can support you, all that good stuff. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Visit the website vermintsupreme2020.com. Um, that's where uh, all my website stuff is, the, the, my platform, uh, uh, the merch store, opportunity to purchase things. Of course, you can always uh, go online, Google up Vermin Supreme, uh, plenty, plenty of fun. It depends what you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for the funny stuff, you, you'll find the funny stuff. And if you're looking for the more serious stuff, I, I guess you would go towards the, uh, the debates uh, that I've been giving at the uh, uh, state conventions here. Um, very informative. Uh, you know, I've been having to find a very delicate balance of humor and serious and um together friends we will be riding our ponies into a zombie powered future believe you no kids no it's me vermin supreme remember the funny guy with the boot on his head not the guy talking all that serious shit totally me go on tiktok i'm on tiktok visit me the real vermin at the real vermin supreme on tiktok i'm on twitter at vermin supreme on twitter i i'm on the instagram the the facebook lots of laughs lots of laughs it's not all no i'm not saying the libertarian party has sucked the joy out of my boot not at all no it's say it's me it's me vermin the one and only vermin supreme thank you (laughs) take care great to talk to you have a great day bye-bye Taking a real quick ad break here. One of our Lions of Liberty Pride members, Tyler Colford, he reached out to me and he recently upgraded to our $100 level where he gets an ad. And uh, he decided to use this ad today because he has a special message for you out there. He wanted me to let you all know that he's in the long walks through the woods. He's in the comic books, Graham Hancock novels, video games, and Austrian economics. And if you're into some of those same things, then check out his rap group, Jinx Inc. It's available on all streaming platforms. I was just listening to his song, Bootstraps, on Spotify. So check out Bootstraps. Check out Jinx Inc. That's J-Y-N-X-I-N-C. J-Y-N-X-I-N-C. Jinx Inc. Check it out. All right, we are recording here with uh, presidential libertarian presidential candidate Sam Robb. And Sam, because uh, maybe you're one of the libertarian candidates that uh, a lot of people haven't, haven't heard of or not familiar with, um, just to get a little bit, because we're going to talk about criminal justice reform and those things, but to get some background on you. I, I know where you're from because you're from the same count, county as me, but uh, what, uh, 
what state are you from and what's your little, just a little bit about yourself? I'm from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm a software developer. Uh, I've been a libertarian, uh, registered as a libertarian back around 2012. And uh, last year decided to join the party and to run for president. I don't like the way the country's going. And I thought that uh, maybe I could step up and do something about it and, uh, and uh, get out and talk to people and convince them that the libertarian party makes sense. Well, that's a, uh, a good reason a lot of people talk about, you know, doing things, running for president, but actually taking that leap and, uh, and stepping out there. That's a, that's a bold move. So I'll give you credit for that. So to actually to, just to talk a little bit more about your past so people can get a flavor of sort of where you come from ide- ideologically, your philosophy, um, what was your introduction? What, uh, what brought you to libertarianism and ultimately to the LP? Um, in all honesty, uh, what brought me to libertarianism was uh, L. Neil Smith, uh, Robert Heinlein, uh, F. Paul Wilson, reading a bunch of uh, science fiction writers and uh, thriller writers that uh, are libertarians and uh, getting exposed to the, the ideology there, um, which was really kind of interesting because I only knew it as an ideology uh, up through college and, and into my early 20s. I, I knew that there were libertarians out there, but I thought it was a philosophy, not a party. Um, so finding out that there was a libertarian party, I was kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. But at that point, uh, I grew, I'd grown up in a uh, democratic neighborhood. Uh, my dad is actually a, a democratic, uh, council member in, in our hometown. Um, went to college on a, an ROTC scholarship. And, uh, when you go to college on an ROTC scholarship, you find out very quickly that there's, you know, one half of the campus that thinks you're, you're, uh, the scum of the earth. And there's another half that kind of thinks that you're cool. Mm-hmm. So I ended up registering as a Republican and, uh, for a number of years voted, voted Republican until, uh, like I said, until about 2012 and, uh, just took a look at the, the presidential candidates and thought, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why? This is not what I thought the Republicans stood for. And uh, that's the point where I said, forget this. I'm going to, you know, I voted against, uh, I think it was Mitt Romney in the, the primary, uh, my last act as a Republican, and then uh, uh, registered, went down and registered as a Libertarian and said, that's, that's it, I'm done. So the last eight years I've been a Libertarian. Uh, last, like I said, last year I joined the Libertarian Party, made it formal. Uh, joined my state affiliate, my local affiliate, the, joined national, just renewed my national membership, and uh, uh, actually had uh, Kathleen, our uh, state treasurer, uh, ask me, you know, are you going to disappear like all the other candidates that seem to kind of flow through? And I, I said, no, I'm, I'm here. This is it. I found, I found the home. I've got people that I can talk to and that I can deal with and uh, that I like to be around. So, and libertarians are awesome. That's great. And I was just talking to your wife um, at your, uh, your table there, and she also said the same thing, that you plan to, to stay in the party and there's a couple, couple races you're looking at. So, so to have it from your better half, too, you know it's, <laughs> you know it's the real deal. She supports me. I don't know why, but she supports me. <laughs> so to uh, turn the focus, shift here to criminal justice reform, um, really the first, the first question I want to ask you about that, when you, when you hear, when you hear, when you think about the U.S. criminal justice system right now, as it is today, what is the first thought that comes to mind? What's the first thing that rises to the top? Oh, there, there's a couple of things, and I think it depends on uh, 
really on the news cycle and, and, and what kind of bubbles up to the top. Um, a big topic with criminal justice reform is victimless crimes, uh, especially when you're, when you're talking about the, uh, drug possession or uh, prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing within the Libertarian Party. But I think that's kind of a, kind of a you know, in-house sort of, that's what people think of. Um, when you talk about criminal justice reform, especially at large to people, one of the, the things that immediately comes up is the idea of racial disparities in, uh, in sentencing, uh, in, in, you know, in arrests and convictions. Um, and I think that's absolutely, absolutely, that's a, an absolute problem. I mean, it's very, very obvious uh, when you start looking at the statistics. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's a, you know, intentional bias, but there seems to be, there does seem to be a systemic bias. Yeah. Um, and, and again, the reason that you get the libertarians talking a lot about uh, victimless crimes is because that seems to be a big pull for, hey, you know, hey, it's, if you, you hate to say it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're black and you get charged with a, get you know, charged with a drug charge, you are much more likely to get convicted and spend time in jail than if you're white. Um, and you, you know that's that's the sort of thing that we need to address. Absolutely, I mean, I, I think not just at the national level, but across all levels. So you're running for president. If you get the nomination, if you ultimately get elected president, what types of things can you use, either by you know obviously the position of power you have or executive order? Um, what types of uh, things do you have in your in your platform that you currently stress? Well, you've got uh, it, as far as executive orders goes um, for for individuals that are uh, currently jailed on federal charges for victimless crimes. Absolutely, you know, part you know, issue pardons for them. Um, working working within the Department of Justice, uh, one of the things that I, I kind of don't like that we've seen in the past from presidents is the idea that oh, you know, I can pick and choose which laws I want to enforce. But you know what? If they've established that as a precedent, then I can pick and choose to tell the Department of Justice, yeah, we're not enforcing these these federal laws. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to back off of those. Uh, working with Congress to see that, for example, see that uh, marijuana gets moved off of Schedule One. Um, it's it is horrible to me the idea that you've got uh doctors and states uh there's a there's a uh, we were just talking earlier about we were both in pittsburgh uh, uh there's a, a medical marijuana dispensary down in the strip district the idea that the state says it's okay that a doctor can prescribe something to you and that the that a federal agent can come and arrest you because it's a federal drug charge is absolutely ludicrous in my mind um and that goes that goes for a, a bunch of other things i've re- i recently uh just a couple of days ago, I was hospitalized for a kidney stone. And uh, I told people that uh, uh, before that point, you know, drug decriminalization was an intellectual thing. Uh, being in the waiting room for five hours, waiting for that first shot of morphine, I would have gladly plunked down a hundred bucks in a vending machine, okay? <laughs> for whatever it took to get rid of the pain. There, I think there's, there's this, we have a good reason to get rid of a lot of these laws that are creating creating people and holding people back and holding people down that uh, that really don't need to be there. So, if you get the nomination, I mean that's a, a platform in and of itself. Yes. Without you know ultimately winning the election, which would be amazing for a libertarian to do that. But just getting that platform of the nomination, what types of things do you think you could do um, to really? draw attention to the criminal justice system not i mean because really i think the criminal justice system that area 
it's really the one um, area of policy, um, area of advocacy, where you have Democrats, Republicans, people, sane people like us in the middle, libertarians, who kind of all agree that, you know, this is, there's something really wrong here and it needs to be reformed. So what types of things can you do to maybe help to bring those two sides together to, to further uh, push the ball? That's an interesting question because it really is about bringing sides together. Um, you, ha you have uh, individuals, individuals uh, on, you know, we'd say on the right, conservatives, that uh, they do favor the rule of law. Right. That's where that's where they are. That's their important issue is is uh, disorder versus versus order and rule of law. Um, but it's it's actually easy to, sometimes to talk to them, especially when you when you start talking about some of the, the really amazingly stupid laws that we have that, uh, that. Yeah. Yes, I do favor. I do favor that that we should enforce laws, but that seems like a bad law. So that's that's one place to, to go on the right on the on the left talking about talking about uh, as I mentioned the racial disparities vict victims versus versus oppressors that's you know that's always a way to get get people involved in those conversations and get them seeing each other's in each other's point of view um, as, you know as the candidate one of the things that I would definitely do would be to reach out to to others there was a, a when I did my uh, Reddit inter interview uh, ask me anything uh, there's a gentleman on there Pride Dog who is uh, very, very big on uh, judicial reform. Um, you know, making connections with people who have spent, like you, who've spent time looking at this issue, and you've put a lot more time into this, obviously, than I ever could have. And uh, that's one of the things you find out really quickly when you're running for office is that there are people out there that know a lot more than you do. And uh, you know, one of one of the things, uh, one of the quotes I like from Andrew Carnegie is, "If I have succeeded, it's because I've surrounded myself with with people who are smarter than I am." Um, and that's really what I think what it comes down to is identifying, "Hey, okay, yeah, this is an issue. Let's who do we talk to here? Who's the who's the next person?" Or even even more importantly, you know, I come to you and say, "John, you're the one who's plugged into the community. Now you tell me who I need to talk to." Let's figure let's figure this out and let's make this let's make this something that we can we can start working on. But I'm going to be depending on on someone like you to help direct me through that field. So something that I don't hear people talking about a lot um, is really the conditions in prisons. Um, mm -hmm. You know, often when uh, and this comes from I think I, I heard this from libertarians too, but more so I think it's more of people on the right, Republicans, um, when. Uh, you know, there's complaints about prison conditions or there's a prison, a federal prison of Florida right now with Legionnaires disease running through it. Um, you hear about these awful, terrible conditions where prisoners, they're not getting any training. So, so when they come out that they're able to, you know, find a job, they're not getting, the, getting job assistance or anything like that. Um, and a lot of people would say who really are not, who, who I don't want to say they, they support it, but I think the attitude of the majority is, you broke the law, whether you agree with it or not, you broke the law, you made a mistake, and you're in prison, that's part of the punishment. Personally, I look at it as like, a, it's a public safety issue. You don't want people going to prison, living this horrible life, coming out with mental health issues, being abused, being ultimately tortured at, at, at some point in time. Um, what, how would you approach that? How would you approach um, really changing the prison system from one that is, entirely punitive and there should be a punitive aspect but also actually helping people actually uh you know when they come out on the other side they can um get a, a decent start yeah one of the, one of the things i would recommend uh, 
for people trying to understand what it's like in prison. Uh, I have a, a friend of mine who's an author. Uh, he spent some time as a prison chaplain. He wrote a book called Walls, Wires, Bars, and Souls uh, by Peter Grant. You can find it on Amazon. Um, it's a terrific look into what life is like in prison. And the, it, I love it because he doesn't pull any punches. Um, he definitely he lays out there are people who need to be in prison. Not, be, not to punish them, but to protect people from them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other people that, uh, that end up there because they made a bad decision or because they, you know, they were with the wrong crowd or they, they headed down the wrong road. And the goal for those people should not be to throw them in with a criminal element that's going to abuse them and, and, and drive them further away from society, but to, to you know, build, you know, to, to restore them. To, the goal should be restitution, to bring them back into society. And I think in a lot of cases, we miss that. Um, we were talking, uh, talking earlier about uh, how uh, in prison, a lot of times, uh, guys get, what, five cents, ten cents a day mm-hmm. for, for, for work that they do. And, fighting, you know, fighting forest fires. I, I know. Mean, it, I mean, it, which is, I mean, fantastic. You're teaching these guys a skill, but what mm-hmm. you're also teaching them is that they are not worth anything. Right. And that's the problem. That's one, part of the reason why people end up in prison is they think they're not worth anything. Their lives aren't worth anything and they might as well do whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when, when you, when you drive people to that point, you're, you're going to get behaviors that, that don't fit in with the rest of society. What we need to do is work on, work on restitution. Okay, you're in, you're in prison. Fantastic. Here we go. You've got, to, you've got to make up what you stole from someone. You've got to make up what you've damaged or, or a life that you've harmed. But as, in the course of doing that, we're going to teach you something so that when you come out of prison, you can keep doing what you're doing. And now you're not, you're not the ex-con. You're coming out as someone who has a skill set, someone who, who can work. And... Uh, and it, Part of, part of what we need to do, I think, is, is try and work to remove that stigma of, oh, he's, he's a prisoner, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an ex-con, do I really want him around my job, do I really want him around my business? Um, actually, I've got, a, I've got a good friend who's, that's part of her, uh, it, I don't know if you'd call it a, a ministry, but she's in a position where she can take a chance and hire people like this, and she, fi- she finds the people who she looks at and says, you know what? I, you've told me your story. I see where you're coming from. I know your history. I'm going to give you a second chance. And the results she gets from that are staggering. Awesome. It's, a, it's amazing when you give people who want to come, come back, who want to fit, ba- fit back into society, when you give them that opportunity, you know, what they'll do to make it work. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Um, and that's something with me personally that you know, before I was interested in criminal justice reform, actually one of the things that got me interested was understanding how, uh, how much I didn't understand how vital this reintegration is. And one of my first jobs out of college, um, I was working in California on a you know, manufacturing floor, and uh, I was tasked with helping out with human resources, with hiring a new, uh, new group of people. And uh, going through the resumes, I've told the story a lot, so I'll tell a short version. Going through the resumes, I, uh, you know, every other resume was felony, misdemeanor, felony, misdemeanor, drug charges, and doing what I thought was the right thing at the time. I was taking all those out. Okay, take that one out, take that one out. And I took him to my plant manager, you know, the, the thin stack that I had left, and he said, well, where's all the ones with the criminal record? Like, those are some of our best workers. Like, oh, oh, Wow. <laughs> So that was like a, that was like one yeah. of the first light bulb moments for me. So that's cool to, that you, that you yeah. bring that up. And it's kind of, it's kind of a uh, 
it's interesting for me to even to think about because uh, just as running for president, one of the things that I that I finally reached the point where where I need to do in terms of running for president is I have to file some FEC paperwork on on finances, mm-hmm. and you know, big red letters all over the place when you go to do that is you know hey it's a felony, to, so I'm I'm trying to to. Do the right thing. I'm trying to be a responsible citizen. I'm getting up, and if I make a mistake on some paperwork, I can be labeled as a felon. Yeah. That's uh, that's just nuts that you, that you could fall into that so easily. It's it's absolute craziness. But Sam, thanks for joining me. Before you go, can you plug your your website and oh. how people can you know learn more about your campaign, all that good stuff? You can find out more about me at samrob2020.com. That's S A M R O B B. 2020.com and uh, I've got a list of all my issues up there uh, links for uh, donations and volunteering and uh, I'd love to hear from you you can find me on Facebook also at, at uh, SamRob2020 and uh, hop on send me send me an email let me know what your questions are I'd love to talk to people and I'd love to explain the libertarian view on things alright Sam thank you thank you sir All right, here we are. I'm here with Kenny Blevins. You prefer Kenny or, or Kenneth? Kenny's fine. Uh, I like Kenneth too. It, anything, Kaiser too, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Um, just just met Kenny here recently last night at the uh, the event here uh, from Oklahoma. Um, maybe, probably, a lot of my listeners aren't familiar uh, with Kenny. I know there's a lot of Libertarian presidential candidates this year uh, on the show. We're going to focus mostly on criminal justice reform, but. You know, since Kenny's probably a new uh, new name for you guys, if you could kind of share with my audience a little bit about uh, yourself and how you came to uh, libertarianism. Uh, I'm from Oklahoma, and I got tired of not having a decent decent candidate to vote for, so I figured I'd I'd reach the age of 35 and I might as well run myself and give people the option of uh, having a working class individual that actually knows what they're going through and has lived that life, you know, day to day, bill to bill, and uh, have someone like that working for them to represent them at the highest level. So, how did you, how did you become a libertarian? Was there, you know, a lot of people have this. There's like a moment in time, light switch goes off. Some people are born that way, and they just you, know, you grow up to a certain point in time. You're looking at the two parties, and you think. Is this all there is? And you're like, oh, wait, there's actually other choices. So what, what's, what's your story there? Yeah, I, uh, I never was much of a Republican or, or Democrat. And whenever I registered to vote the first time, I registered as an independent. And I didn't see anything that either party really had to offer for me and for people like me. So I found the Libertarian Party, and I kind of fell in line with that and about 99% of that platform. So... I, it felt like a good fit. So shifting to criminal justice reform, uh, a couple questions on that. Um, the current system today, United States criminal justice system, when you, when you just hear it, um, what's the first thing that really comes to mind for you? The same thing I hear, I think of whenever I hear United States, whatever system, is corruption. The uh, amount of people in prison or in jail that, that have to go through the system for nonviolent and you know not and victimless crimes is insane and we need to we need to stop that and help people help people that get in trouble 
because of something they might might be doing that's a victimless crime but they the ones that commit the crime because of that we need to get them help but we need to get rid of the victimless crimes we need to stop persecuting people for for doing stuff to their own body you know there shouldn't be a crime between two consenting adults Mm -hmm. how how would you feel about um so victimless crimes but also nonviolent crimes that might have a victim say you know fraud something like that credit card fraud or one of these uh phone phone scams people stealing money from old people how would you in an ideal libertarian society how would you look at punishing that would you look at a prison system thing or more of like a uh you know punitive uh financial uh i think you have to look at what would really do the most good in stopping that and like I said, we have people in prison for nonviolent crimes and for no and for you know victimless crimes. And when there is an actual victim, I mean that's if if you're fr- defrauding me out of my money, out of what I've worked for, and spent my life earning, then that's that's definitely worth prison time, in my in my opinion. But can they can they pay you back if they're in prison? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Earning a five cents a day or whatever, whatever yeah, they pay prisoners. It, it, it's, it's, it's a tough one. That's it, a tough, it is, tough yes. question. Uh, and I, I, don't even, I don't know what the right answer is. But uh, so shifting to the current race now that you're in for the nomination, if you were to get the nomination just during that time period, that run up to November from, what is it, June to November, what are some things that you think you could do as a libertarian candidate to uh, – really shift the focus to the criminal justice system to get the Democrats and Republicans, which I think they are, some of them are looking at reforming it, but to really elevate that. Yeah, my ideal in the justice system is, you know, justice is supposed to be blind, and it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, the district attorney sees a name, sees a, you know, mugshot, and they make, already make an assumption on that. Mm-hmm. You know, even at the highest level, whenever we had... Uh, charges brought against the Secretary of State, you know, it was, everybody knew what it was. We need a system where it's just, you know, an ID number or a case number where it has, you know, the case number, the charges, the facts of the case, and what, you know, what evidence they have. And if it can go through there, then that's what you know it needs to be maybe looked at go to trial or go to case but you know if if you have to if you can look and see you know either sex color skin wealth privilege whatever it is that needs to be taken out of the justice system i think a, a case number system where it's just the case the evidence that's the best way to do it so uh, the the jury then would look they wouldn't they wouldn't see the see the defendant then if there's video evidence or something or uh, video evidence or you know photographic evidence that might tie into the case then that would be able to be presented but I mean you could do a, you know some kind of a screen between them and the and the defendant you know you can have the electronic you know have their you know face and their voice change to to uh, keep an anonymity, mm-hmm. but uh, 
until it comes right down to it, then I think justice needs to be blind. Yeah. So I guess you would be against the, the facial recognition technology. That... Oh, you mean, uh, you mean for the Fourth Amendment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a pro Fourth Amendment. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. Uh, so take it one step further, uh, one step farther than that. Say you get, uh, you get the nomination and then you win in November, throwing the country into uh, just libertarian chaos. It'd be, it'd be amazing. Um, what are some things that you could do with that office, um, either using executive orders or um, advocating for changing laws? What, what, what would be your priorities? My priorities is, uh, like I said, fix the corruption. You know, uh, Congress, we've had people in Congress for 40, 50 years, and you have... You have these demographics, you have these uh, districts that are primarily Republican or Democrat, and once that candidate gets voted in, it's very hard for anyone from their own party to go against them, much less another party. And if we had a term limit system where we could actually make people engage and be involved in the, in the voting process to actually get a turnover instead of, a, instead of stagnation in that in that pool so uh, stagnant water leads to nothing but disease and parasites and that's what we have in congress right now we have a stagnant pool if anything sits long enough even water it's going to start to stink so yeah. <laughs> um next question and um i'm going to try to ask this to all the candidates i forgot to ask sam so i'll follow up with him maybe but i know it's been going around recently there's been one candidate who's called out another uh, presidential candidate in the LP on age of consent laws. So what's, what's your view when it comes to age of consent laws? Do you think there needs to be an age set by either a, a state or set by a federal government where there can be uh, sexual consent? See, that's a, that's a really slippery slope there. It's a tough question. And that's a tough question. Uh, in my home state, I think the age of consent is 16. If you're 18... And then, like, I think there's, like, a three-year difference until you hit 18. So, like, if you're 17, 20. But uh, we have to protect those that cannot protect themselves. But we also need to, like I said, limit victimless crimes. So it's really an individual basis on on that kind of thing. Yeah. So. It's, uh, it's not an easy answer. There's but, not. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, but uh, Going back to you know the early early you know 1900s, mm-hmm. my grand my grandpa my great grandpa was in his 20s and my great grandma was like 13 14, but they got together and they had you know it was kind of I think an arranged marriage but they had seven kids that you know grew up to be great great people during you know my grandfather was born in 1935 in the heart of you know right in the middle of the Great Depression. So, uh... Yeah, back then, you're you're 10 years old, you're going to work, too. I mean, yeah. You're, you're helping to make, the, help the family make money, but uh, it's different times today. So, just, uh, if you could, you know, let my audience know where they can learn more about your campaign, where they can, uh, you know, track you on Facebook, website, all that stuff. All right. My, my uh, website is still under construction, but you can go there and learn a little bit about my platform and, uh, who I am, it's blevinsforpresident.org. And then my Facebook page is blevinsforpresident2020. And, you know, 
guys just come in let me know what i can do to help you guys out because that's why i'm here i'm not running this race for me i'm running it for the people you know that i work with the people that you know that are in my community and that i know how they're living so my first focus is on on the working class people of this nation and not on you know the political influences that come from you know either party or or anything like that all right kenny thank you for your time thank you thank you for listening to today's show another great episode of felony friday as you know felony friday is one of three shows we have here on the lions of liberty podcast of course we kick off every single week with our monday show hosted by mark claire it's our longest running program our flagship program where Mark interviews leaders in the Liberty Movement. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams. It's your weekly shot of culture, comedy, liberty, swearing, and just just good fun. Check that out. You can get all three shows by subscribing for the great price of $0 per month. You get everything that we have here. So please check everything out, and uh, if you like it all, Please think about, consider supporting what we're doing here at Lions of Liberty. A great way to do that is by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash Liberty. Another great way of doing that is by uh, following, liking, sharing our stuff on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Liberty. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at Lions of Liberty. And the discussion forum where all the greatest and brightest minds go to to talk about politics, liberty, everything that's happening in the world today, current events, the Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook, which you can find by typing Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top of Facebook, clicking search, comes up, say you want to join it, answer a question, bam, you're in, and the rest is just going to be a great journey for you. So check that out. That's all I have for today. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is liberty burning. <laughs>